so much for being here. We are in a series called Habits, and so we're, we're wrapping it up today, going to put a bow on it. And so excited that you're here. We've been in two parts. Let me catch you up real quick on where we've come from so far. We're talking about small disciplines, big results. The first week we talked about this idea of who before do, that we need to ask ourselves, who do we want to become before we do anything? And so that was the first week that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And so we've been kicking off some new habits this year. Last week we, start, we started talking about small step success. And so we looked at this idea that really the biggest differences in our lives are made in small choices that we make every single day. We talked about keystone habits last week, and uh, hopefully you got a domino. I heard that the 930, some of them did not get a domino on the way out. Uh, we have them in the back for you if you want to grab one of these dominoes. And we've had people writing their habits on it or writing uh, want, something they want to break. But uh, you can grab one of these on the way out. And we talked about this idea of keystone habits, that uh, the first habit, the big habit that we have, impacts everything else. Real quick, show of hands, honesty in the house. How many of you made your bed this week? Who made the bed? Oh, look at this. Come on. Very nice. How many of you made the bed with your spouse in it? No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Great. That's great. So we've been looking at this idea that these little small habits matter. And so today we're talking about breaking bad habits, habits. And so we're going to jump into breaking bad habits today. Now the title of today's message I'm calling fire your autopilot, fire your autopilot. How many know everything is getting automated nowadays? Everything is getting automated. So um, I, uh, I, I drive around in a couple different trucks every month. For those that don't know, I'm going to go ahead and get this out there because people ask me, like, can you not pick out a truck? So Don Mendoza, who owns Don's Wholesale, uh, blesses uh, a lot of the pastors in our OSC uh, churches. And so he has blessed me with a truck. So every 28 days, I get a different truck. I get a different one. And so I'm sneaking up on you, and you don't know what I'm driving. <laughs> Uh, a couple months ago, I was, uh, I was, I was driving, and I, I took my hands off the steering wheel to do something. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was, I don't know what I was doing. Um, I don't want to slap my kids or something. Something was going on. I took my hands off the steering wheel, and, and automatically, I saw my steering wheel do this. It veered back into the lane. And my boys look at me and go, what was that? I said, Jesus took the wheel. <laughs> this is what happened. Jesus took the wheel. And so for the next couple of minutes, I realized that, oh, this was going to happen. So we played with the Jesus took the wheel for a while. And so I just, I just drive like this. <laughs> and it, it, it's following the lane. And I don't know, do, do any of y'all, maybe you have a car like that? I, I found out, I didn't know that this truck had lane detection, that if it got out of lane, it would put it back into the proper lane. And uh, man, pretty cool. Um, it doesn't work on big turns. Just want you to know. <laughs> Just want you to know. I'm just trying to let everybody know. Just not wake on big turns. That was scary. And so I thought, I thought we'd come on the whole way. And so everything, though, now is now automated. Uh, so many things in our life are automated. You've got smart doors. You've got smart locks. You've got smart. Everything's smart now. Everything's automated. And automation is great. I mean, it makes life so much simple because things just get automated. Uh, my giving is automated. I, my, my, I don't even give to the church via having to do it myself. Like, it's automated. It comes out. A lot of my bills are automated. They just come out. Um, they're, everything, it makes life simple in a lot of ways. But automation in a lot of things can also be bad because there's some things that are in our life that we put on the co-pilot or the autopilot switch and we just coast. And how many know you can't autopilot your relationship with God? 
You can't autopilot that thing. That you've got to switch over the override mode and you've got to grab that thing and you and Jesus got to walk through this thing together. And so today I want us to kind of flip off the override because I think there's some habits that are in your life that are there because it's just been on autopilot for so long. And so I want to, I want to kick off the autopilot. I want us to override it. I want us to take the system back, give it back to the user. And so today we're going to fire our autopilot, and we're going to allow God to give us some, some, uh, some thoughts on what he thinks about when it comes to bad habits. So if you got some notes with me, how many got some notes? Wave them at me so I just see it. Come on, get my preach on. You can just wave it at me. Just get it, get it, all right? So um, if you want to take some notes, write this down. Bad habits are bad masters. Bad habits are bad masters. Romans chapter 7 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but everybody say that with me. What does it say? I, I don't do it. I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I, 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 I can't. I can't. I want, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate with the Apostle Paul? That oftentimes the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. The things that I really do want to do, I want to start some good habits. I want to start some good habits today. We're eating healthy. We're eating healthy. And then I just don't. And it doesn't. And, and we get stuck in these ruts. And we want to get out of these ruts. We want to get good habits, break the bad habits. And so I just started writing down a couple of things. In week one, I asked you at the end of the message to do kind of an action step. And that was that you would go home and write down what are good habits that have helped you be successful what are missing habits that you need to really incorporate into your life in 2019? And then what are bad habits? What are habits that, that you really want to see broken? And so I, I just started writing down a number of, number of them, and I started batching them into a couple different groups. So here's some annoying habits. And you can just kind of take some mental notes and see if this applies to you in any way. Let me just say this out the gate. Everybody's getting cut today. I love you. And so everybody's getting cut. So here we go, some annoying habits, getting up late, staying up late, interrupting, procrastinating, cussing, complaining, texting and driving. Here's some addictive habits, sugar, chocolate, Josh, don't go there, okay, drugs, <laughs> I went to the next thing, drugs, <laughs> right after chocolate, uh, nicotine, prescription drugs, gambling, Alcohol, video games, Fortnite. Okay, we're not going there. Um, phone, social media, then they would point it back at me. Netflix, overspending, overeating. And then I just wrote this one down because I think it's an addictive habit, but nobody wants to talk about it. Comfort. Comfort can be an addictive habit. We like comfort, and we will do anything to protect it. Hidden habits. Pornography, cutting, bulimia. And then I just wrote this one down. Isolation. Isolation can be a hidden habit that people have. See, isolation is not that you're not around people. It's that just people don't know you. And so you can be isolated in a lot of ways. So I want you to write this down. Based on who you want to become, what is one habit you need to break? Based on who you want to become. That's what we've been, we've been tagging that at the beginning of all of our all, all, all of our challenges is that based off of who you want to become, what is, what is the habit you want to start? What is the habit that you want to break? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Watch this. 
So yet again, the Apostle Paul, he says it in 1 Corinthians. He says, you say I'm allowed to do anything. But watch this. But not everything is what? Not everything is good. That there are some things that look good that are not good. And that you need to be really careful in life because, I mean, you know, our world will say that is good when it's not good. Can we go ahead and, and talk about what got passed in New York? How many, how many know people think, some people think that is good. How many know God says, not good? Come on, we need to protect babies, by the way. They're our future. Not everything is good for you. Now watch this. Even though I'm allowed to do anything, so there's an allowance there for me to do it, I must not become a slave to anything. And so I'm going to tell you, you can be a Christian and love God and attend church faithfully and give and be on the dream team and all of those good things and still be slave to something. Yeah. That there's something in your life that you just cannot kick. It just, it just has got a hold on you. And so Paul is telling us, listen, there's things that, that look good, they're not good. And, and if you're not careful, you'll play around with it and then you're going to get trapped into it and then it's going to hold you for a long, long time time. And so uh, for us to dive into this idea of breaking bad habits, I need to help you understand how habits are formed. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break down this message into a couple different. It's all spiritual, but I want to I show you practically how things apply. And then we're going to come at the end and I'm going to show you a spiritual application that happens here. So let's, let's talk about practically. Christians and non-Christians would agree with this exact same thing. So here's how habits are, are, are created in our life. It's called a habit loop. I don't, I don't think I have it in your notes, but you can kind of just jot it down on the side or whatever how this works. So let me walk you through the habit loop. Can we put that up there? So the first and foremost, you have a trigger. So the trigger is what starts this thing. So a trigger could be anything from a place. It can be a people. It can be how you feel. I, I'll walk you through this in just a minute. I'm going to explain a lot more about this. Once the trigger happens, then the next thing that you go to is the actual habit. So that you, you go and do the habit. So let me, let me walk you through how this works, okay? So it's time for bed. That's the trigger. The habit is I go to my bathroom and I brush my teeth. That's my habit. So that you can finish the loop and you can get the reward, which is my teeth are so fresh and clean, clean. Okay, so that's, that's how it is, right? Okay, so that's why when you get into bed and you haven't brushed your teeth, you have this nagging thing inside of you like, you need to go brush your teeth, you need to go brush your teeth, you need to go brush, and you're like, eh, seven hours away, is it really that bad? You know, I mean, okay, that's just me. All right, I'm sorry. Um, Y'all pray for Lindsay. All right, so, so there's a trigger, I need to go to bed, there's a habit, brush my teeth, I feel good, my, my teeth feel good. It's the same thing with your kids. Hey kids, it's time for bed. That should be a cue, a trigger that says, Go take a shower, go take a bath, put on your clothes, brush your teeth, whatever. The reward is mom won't kill you, um, right? And so, so, hey, if you want this habit loop to be good and you don't want to die, go do the habit. And so what we're doing from the beginning, we're teaching our children from the beginning to create a habit of when I say it's time for bed, it doesn't mean let's go outside and play. It means Let's get this going. Let's start this. Okay, is everybody tracking so far? So this is how a habit loop's created. Once this loop has started working, and you got the trigger, time for bed, and you start, the, you start getting ready, and then you got the reward, then it becomes a loop, and you don't have to think about it anymore. As soon as the trigger hits, you start. You start it. You don't even think about it. It's just something you naturally do. And this, this happens in our lives in so many different ways. Let me, uh, let me walk you through another way. Um, 
How many of you, um, when you get notifications on your phone, the red dot, you have to check the red dot? Come on, don't lie in here. It's not good for you, okay? So when you hear, Ding! okay, it's a, what is it? It's a trigger that then tells you to check your phone, which then tells you, oh, okay, I'm done. And you check it off. If you were to check my phone right now, there would be no red dots on my phone. None, okay? None. Some of y'all, I look at your phones, it puts me into a panic mode. <laughs> 33,000 emails, are you serious? 250 Facebook notifications, are you serious? <sighs> and so, yeah, so what, it, what happens is we get a trigger, we got to check it. It could be three in the morning. Ding! You got to check it. And then you got to do it. This is how it happens. This is what, this is what it does in our lives. Um, let me give you another one. Um, you get stressed out. The habit may be I smoke. Or I overeat. Or I sleep. Or I go work out. Or I, like you've got a habit that you do when you get stressed. And then you get 881 and 835. No, I'm joking. So um, there's a reward. There's a reward that happens with that. Okay. Is everybody on the same page here? We all good? So trigger, habit, and then a reward. All right. So it's the same way. Um, like I walk into Java Jolts, I get a white chocolate mocha, yeah. heaven comes down. <laughs> Can someone give me an amen on that one? Okay. So I walk into there, all the girls are there go, Pastor Josh, would you like what you normally get? Yes, I would. And so it's, it's just how it works, all right? It's a habit, all right? I didn't say it was a good one. It's just a habit. It's what it is. Jesus was a creature of habit. He was a creature of habit. Let me show you. So if you look in your notes, you'll see a, a verse there. Can we throw that up? Mark chapter 10, verse 1. Then Jesus left the region and went into the district of Judea across from the Jordan River. And again, massive crowds flocked to him. And Jesus, as was his, what? Okay, as was his custom, his habit, here's his habit, his habit was to begin to teach the people. All right, put the loop back up. Let me show you how this works now. Ready? Here's the loop. Nope, put the, put the Jesus one, the one after. Thank you. All right. Crowd of people show up. Jesus goes into the habit mode. He teaches and heals. His reward is he glorifies God. And everywhere you look through scripture, when Jesus was encountering people, he'd get in a boat, go the other side, people would come to him. What would he do? He would either teach or heal, Right? Every time, teach and heal. People would come, he'd have compassion on them, he would teach and heal, he would glorify God. People would come, he would teach and heal, he would glorify God. This was literally Jesus' life because it was his habit. If you, let, me, let me show you another one. Uh, a verse that I showed you last, last two weeks was about how one of the repetitions that Jesus had was that he went to church. It was Sabbath day, here's the trigger. Hey, it's Sunday, what do we do? Jesus says, we go to church as was his custom, and then what happens? He grows in wisdom and in favor with God and man. It's Sunday, so this morning, I'm downstairs getting ready to come to church, and Joel's coming down. Oh, Dad. He comes down, and he's like, is it Sunday? I say, yes, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. He had like a birthday hangover yesterday at Mr. Gaddy's or something. Oh, God. <laughs> Pizza overload. And he says, church? Yes, that's what we do on Sunday, church. He's like, okay. Why? Because in our house, Sunday means church, which means we want to grow in wisdom and favor with God. And, and I'm going to tell you, if there's anything you want to see change and transform your life this year, make this one a habit. You shouldn't wake up on Sunday and go, what are we going to do today? <laughs> Just go ahead and settle it. Anchor it in. We're going to church. 
Let me, let me show you another one. Jesus, stressed. When he was stressed, what did he do? He prays, and then what ends up happening? He gets peace and strength. He's stressed out every time. Go look. I'm telling you, it's, you see this all throughout. It's a thread all throughout. When, God, when Jesus got stressed, he would go to the Lord and pray, and then he would get peace and strength and go right back into it. Okay. Everybody good? So let me show you some triggers because you need to identify triggers because triggers, based off of what these triggers are, will oftentimes uh, trigger the habit. So we got to deal with triggers first and then we're going to deal with habits. Okay. So here's the first one. Identify the trigger. Number one is place. It's place. There's probably a place where you go and you do a bad habit there, but you only do it at that place. Like no one is overeating at the gym. No. <laughs> right? Right? Okay, no one is smoking pot in church here. Are y'all, and if you are, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. <laughs> Jesus can deliver. Come on, somebody. He can deliver you. Like, we're glad you're here. This is a great place for pot smokers. Um, but you're probably not doing it here because there are certain places where you go and you do certain habits. Is everybody with me? This is good and bad, okay? It's on, it's on both sides. Good habits and bad habits. I'm just showing the bad because we're spending a lot of our time talking about bad habits. So place is one. Let me give you another one. Time. Time is one. That, th that there's certain times in the day that you have certain habits. You do certain things in the morning that you don't do at night. You do certain things at lunchtime, around that lunchtime. Like maybe it's uh, 2 o'clock. I got to get coffee. I got to get coffee. I got to get coffee. It's 2 o'clock because it's just certain times. You've built in a habit that when it's 2 o'clock, I get coffee. Uh, there's certain things that you do at night that you don't do at any other point of the day. There's, there's just time that creates these habits. Let me give you another one. Here's another trigger. Moods. Moods create habits. Um, so they'll, they'll tell you that you are most vulnerable when you are in a certain mood. So uh, if, you, if you look at the, the acronym of HALTS, they tell you when, you when you're about to do something, you need to HALT or HALTS. When you're, hang, hang, when you're hungry, we'll get to that one. Hungry. Angry, lonely, tired, or stressed. I'd even say, or sick, or selfish, or anyways. <laughs> so, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed. So watch this, watch, ready? So here comes the cue, the, the trigger, I am hungry. And you made a commitment this year that I'm eating well. I am eating right this year. 2019's my year, and someone walks into your office with a king cake. No. And you're looking at that thing, and you made the habit, like, I am not eating. I am not eating. I am not eating. Jesus is waving at me. I see him, but I am not eating that. And so you pass by it, and you're like, I can't believe y'all would eat that kind of stuff. I am not eating that this year. And then the day progresses, and then you go about on the second time. You're like, Jesus, thank you for the freedom you have given me from sugar. I praise you. You are amazing. Then you go by a third time, and you walk by the third time, and then you just smell it. Mm -hmm. There's no weapon formed against me. We'll prosper. No and then the fourth time you walk by, then you touch it. And then you're like, I touched it, so I have to, I have to eat that part because that would be weird. I don't want anybody to. I have to eat the part that that. And then after you have broken your king cake virginity, you just eat the rest of it. You ate all of it. Come on, is this not true? Is this not true? This is how this plays out. I'm telling you. So you're hungry, and all of a sudden, you're, you're, it's a trigger. Like, I got to eat something. And then, unfortunately, it's not something that you should. Or, or, or it could be a trigger of you're, you're, you're hungry and angry. We call that 
Yeah, y'all know what that one looks like. How many would you say that a lot of your bad decision making have happened whenever you were hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or sick, or stressed, or any of that stuff? Would y'all agree? So I'm just telling you right now, those are triggers, and you need to, when you're any of those moods, watch what you say, watch what you do, watch what any of that stuff. Esau in scripture sold his entire birthright because he was hungry. And, and we see in scripture of men in scripture and women that did things that they shouldn't have done when they were angry or when they were lonely or when they were tired. And I want to show you uh, actually a part of that in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I got to hurry. I got so much more I got to share. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 4. This is the King David, man of God. God. Man after God's own heart is how the Bible would describe this man. Loved Jesus passionately. God chose him to be the next king. And here he is. He is in his kingdom. And it says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, watch. However, David what? Stayed behind. Wrong place. Remember we talk about place being a trigger. He was in the wrong place. He should have went out to war with his guys. He was the king. He leads the army, but he didn't. He decided to stay back in Jerusalem. Now watch the next verse. Watch how this plays out. And late one afternoon, wrong time. So now we got wrong place. Now we also got wrong time. Two bad triggers that are about to happen. After his, watch this, midday rest. So now we're dealing with the mood now because now he's tired. Just woke up from a nap says, after his midday rest, watch this, David got out of his bed. He's walking on the roof of the palace, and as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And watch what happens here. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong, wrong, wrong mood causes him now to make the wrong decision, which is at, he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Remember, we've said this a number of times. Most people do not destroy their lives in one big decision. They make small little decisions over time, over time, over time that leads to a big decision that they shouldn't have made. Like, oh, I just happened to have committed adultery because it says then David sent messengers to get her and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. See, listen, adultery starts in the head way before it ever starts in the bed. And, and these small little things, wrong place, wrong time, Wrong mood, all led him to make a wrong decision that he ultimately had to pay the price for. And if you go and you continue to read the story, I mean, God does so much there, but that one decision cost him a lot. And sin will always take you further than you want to go and make you pay more than you want to pay and keep you longer than you want to stay. This is what sin does. See, sin also maximizes the desire and minimizes the destruction. It says it's not that bad. See, the thing about, have you ever noticed that good habits are hard to start and bad habits are hard to break? You ever notice that? It's hard to start something. Here's why that is. Good habits, when you start them, it's like, oh, alarm goes off. Oh, I don't want to go run. But you finally do, and it's cold, and it's hard, and it's long. And you're like, oh, and you do that for a week, and then you go get on the scale, and it's like 0.3 pounds. <laughs> and so the next Monday comes, and you're like, I just don't want to do that for 0.3 pounds. See, because the way it works is the reason why it's hard to start good habits is because you're putting in the work now, but you don't see results until a long time. The problem with a bad habit, though, is we all like immediate satisfaction. And so you do it right now, and you don't see, you get the immediate satisfaction of what you just did, but you don't see that destruction is on the end as well. Y'all tracking? So with that being said, I want to give you the fourth trigger, and that is people. 
people. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be fooled. Hey, anytime the Bible says that, you might want to pay attention. Don't be fooled. You know why he says that? Because you and I can be fooled. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Now, there was a study that was done. Now, this is a secular study. This is not a biblical study. A secular study has proven that the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to have the same habits as the people that are closest to you. So Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. If you walk with the wise, you become? Now, notice this. If I'm just walking with wise people, wisdom jumps off on me. Like, I don't even have to be wise. Like, I could be a fool hanging out with wise people, and I become wise. Do you know how awesome that is for fools? <laughs> like, you don't even have to be, like, smart. Like, just hang out with smart people. Like, you'll become smart. Like, it's, like, simple. Like, just get good friends because the, a, a companion of fools suffers harm. Like, I, so I started thinking through this, like, this has got, is this really true? So I, I wrote down my five top friends that I spend most of my time with that are over at my house the most and that I text the most and all this. And, and I started seeing a track record, like, all of my top friends, like, they love Jesus passionately. Like, they love their wives and their kids passionately. And, and they all serve big time in our church. And they all are huge givers and generous with their money. Not with the church, but just gener live generously with people. And, and they are using their gifts and their talents to do things, great things for the kingdom. And they are all in a life group and with people. And they are all, and, and I thought about no wonder it's so much easier for me. I'm surrounded around that. Now flip the switch. Imagine if your top five closest people in your life are negative and addicted to substances or addicted to things and, and don't see church as a real value and are not connected to anything and don't give and are not generous and their marriage is struggling and they have a hidden secret sin that they don't want anybody else to know about and they don't invite. Can you imagine how hard it is now to live the God-honoring life? Yes. Yes. I'm just telling you, like, we make it overly complicated. Like, be with the right people. Let me put it this way. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. And I'm not just saying that for the junior high kids that I go and talk to. I'm talking to us. Tell me your top five friends and I'll tell you where you're going to go in the future. Because who you hang out with is who you let influence in your life. It's who you let speak into your life. It's who you let, come on, how many of you know? And if you want that, I'm not saying, okay, I, I can't be friends with anybody that doesn't absolutely love Jesus. Listen, I got a ton of people that I know that don't love Jesus and they're friends of mine, but they're not my closest are y'all with me? Not the ones that really speak into my life. They're, they're the ones that want to really help me. So with that, so place, time, moods, people, all triggers. So how do, we, how do we deal with the second part of the loop, the habits part? How do we deal with that? Well, I need you to write this down. Habits are not erased, they're replaced. Habits are not erased, they're replaced. So let's throw the habit loop back up. So watch this. So a trigger is you wake up in the morning. Maybe your normal habit is as soon as I wake up, the first thing my habit is is I check social media. And then I feel a sense of reward because I feel like I'm in the know and I feel, I feel some affirmation. I feel loved. Like, 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 like. What if we replaced it? What if 
You wake up in the morning, same trigger. You want the same reward to feel like, 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 like. But instead of, uh, instead of going to the, to, the, to the social media app, what if you were to put the Bible app and you were to hear Jesus say, I like you, 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 I like you. Same trigger, same reward, different habit. Are y'all tracking? Same trigger, same reward, different habit. What if when you're stressed, your normal habit is... Or, no, 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 no. Or, I don't know, whatever it is. We all got different ones. But when you're stressed, you deal with it differently. Maybe it's just panicking. What if, instead of, instead of you know, the, the reason we do that, the reason why we eat or we smoke or we do whatever is because we want just some form of relief from the stress I'm feeling. What if, instead of, though, when the, when the stress hits, instead of us panicking, what if we actually did what this bracelet said and we prayed first? Yeah. Come on. Guess what? Here's the cool thing I know. If you were to pray first, you would get the exact same thing you're looking for, which is peace yes. that you long for. Man. The problem is we're substituting with a bad habit. If we would just put God's habit in this place, it would change everything. Uh, this happened in the story of Paul. Paul, um, before Christ, when it was Sabbath day, it was a Sabbath day for Paul. He went to church. But the only problem is he went to church to go persecute and kill Christians. His reward was he thought he was pleasing God. Watch this. Acts chapter 9, God shows up, radically saves Paul, and, and God transforms his life. You know what the next, next uh, part of, of Acts tells us? That, that Paul, it's Sabbath. Guess where Paul goes back to on the Sabbath? Now, with Jesus in his life, guess where he goes? Back to church. But this time he's not going to church to persecute Christians. This time he's going to church to preach to Christians. Guess what? And he gets the same reward, fulfilling and living God-honoring life. Same thing with Paul. Paul had the same trigger and he had the same reward, but God changed the habit. God changed the habit. So how do we change our habits? Well, let's dive into this. I wrote out habits just to make it easy for you, and we're going to go through these very quickly. First one is a heart check. We got to do the heart check because what rules your heart rules your habits. What rules your heart rules your habits. What rules your heart rules your habits. In Romans chapter 7, verse 25, we just read this earlier where he says, I can't do this. Uh, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, I, I want to do, I don't do. What's going to happen? And he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I'm just, I'm tired of being this way. Who's going to help? And he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now watch, the next chapter, chapter 8, says this. So now, so now because Jesus is in your life. So now, not later, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, watch this, the power of the life-giving spirit has now freed you from the power of sin that leads to the death. So how do we, how do we get freedom? We check our heart and we let God do a, a heart check inside of us because now that he comes, come on, how many know he comes and he, he does some heart things inside of us? Yes. So, so last week in Spiritual Renewal, I showed you this picture of what I think the heart looks like. So this is what I think the heart looks like. I think, I think it looks like the command central of Star Trek. It's what I think our heart looks like. When God talks about the heart, love God with all your heart. And, and uh, you know, uh, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you see all these verses about the heart. I think the heart is a lot like this. So let me show you, let me show you another version of this that maybe will do it. 
Because inside of your heart, you got your thoughts and your emotions and your character and your conscience and your intellect and your will. And, and your heart dictates all that that's going on. Inside of this, you have Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk sits in the captain's chair. And the captain's chair is the one that dictates what will does and what character does and what emotions do. And so when emotions get all crazy, I'm like, ah! Captain goes, settle down. Settle down. We got this. Settle down. We're going to pray first. Settle down. And depending on who is in the captain's seat depends on how all this stuff goes. And some of you are trying to change your character and trying to change your intellect and trying to change your thoughts, but you don't realize that your captain is the one who's directing all that. And if you would change the captain, you would change all that other stuff. Yeah. Here's the question. Who's your captain? Who's your captain? See, if you're stressed out right now, maybe money's your captain. Or maybe your job is your captain, and so your marriage and your relationship with God is suffering because your job has been your captain, and so everything dictates around what your job says, and so, so you don't even come to church anymore because your job won't allow you to do it. And that job that you prayed for and you asked God for, now you worship your job more than the God that you prayed for to get the job in the first place. And so now you're wondering why you are where you are is because you changed out the captain. Jesus is the captain. Hey, this is a single seat. It's not a love seat. You can't put anything else in this. Come on, Je Jesus is jealous for that seat. How many of you know, though, he's going where no man has ever gone before, and he will bring you places where you've never been before if you will let him get in the seat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is what it is. Number two, ask for help. You want to break a habit? You better ask for help. Listen, you don't need anybody to keep doing your bad habit. You're good all by yourself. But listen to me closely. You can't break a bad habit by yourself. You can do it by yourself, but you can't break it by yourself. And the enemy wants to tell you that you got this. You can do this. And he's telling you that because he knows you can't. Because let's just all be honest in here. If you could have done it, you would have done it. Truth and, and so isolation and pride is a habit that has to be broken. And the great thing is, is that when you ask for help, you get a twofer. You knock out isolation and pride at the same time. You get, you get both of them. And that's why Pastor JJ got up here and talked about life groups. And man, we, we, we want to have life group leaders that come and get trained tonight so that you can help us create safe places for people to come into our church on a Sunday and go, I got all of this stuff. I was smoking pot in church, like he said. And then we say, well, we got a life group for you. <laughs> it's called freedom. And, uh, and that's why life groups are so important because, listen to me closely, life change happens where there's life exchange. Yes, sir. So if you are isolated and you are by yourself, it's because you have believed the lie that no one would know what you're going through. <laughs> you would be surprised at how many people believed the lie. If people just knew what I really was, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't love me. Quite the opposite. I, I'm telling you, when you start getting honest, you'll start getting free. Because you're only as sick as your secrets. So the only room that the devil has to work in your life is the areas that you won't let him or anybody else in on. And he will keep playing with that and playing with that and playing with that. And I'm telling you right now, you've got to ask for help. 
And, and, and I'll put it a, another way. The more destructive the habit is, the more people you need to help you. So if like you're deep into something, you need more people. Hey, and it's not a bad thing to need people. Jesus did too. Right? So we got to ask for help. Let me give you another one. Be kind to yourself. See, making good daily habits is not a perfection zone. You're going to slip up. You're going to mess up. You're not going to go 2019 and, and start all the good habits and break every bad one and never have a slip up. You're probably going to slip up. And I'm just here. You're going to have to receive some grace. And, and listen, the Bible says in Proverbs that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. So I want you to hear me closely. You are not your past. You are not what you do. You are not what was done. That is not your identity. You are not an addict. I don't care what AA says. You are a child of God, a man of God, a woman of God that is freed by God. This is you. Don't claim that. That is not who you are. You are loved by Jesus, and you need to give yourself some grace to go, yeah, I am still flawed, but Jesus is working in me. Which leads to I, which is that identity matters. Identity matters. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. Unwise habits reinforces unhealthy identity. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And everybody's looking for, them, for other people to tell you who you are. I just want to tell you that there's one guy who can tell you who you really are. Just listen to him. Look, look what, look what uh, Galatians chapter 5 says. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Okay, you want to know what your identity is? Here you go. Not partially free, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Let's stubbornly refuse to, I'm not going back to what Jesus saved me from. Jesus has saved me from this, so identity matters, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that Christ in you is stronger than the desires in you, that you are a self-disciplined, devil-kicking, mountain-moving, light-shining, spirit-filled overcomer that loves Jesus. And listen, no habit is going to be hung on you. And listen, don't stay in a prison Jesus already unlocked the door for. He unlocked the door. And we sit in a prison, and, and, and it's like we're, we don't realize like we have this power It's available to you. It's available to you. Which leads to T, and that is trust the process. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 says, Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It is rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And then take on the entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the, from where? From where? From where? From the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately, watch this, as he reproduces character in you. It's, it's heart change. It's heart change. It's, it's from the inside out. And I close with this last one. And, and if there's anything that I can champion the most out of this whole series is hopefully this. If you want to know how to start a habit, if you want to know how to break a habit, out of everything, you got to have this one. And that is to stay in love with Jesus. 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 Thomas Chalmers wrote this. I love this. The only way to dispose the heart of an old affection is through the explosive power of a new affection. I'll say it again. The only way to dispose the heart of an old affection, you know, how, you, how do you get that captain out? 
you, you replace it with something greater than it. Ready? How do you get rid of an old boyfriend? You get a new one that's a lot bigger. Right? Come on, truth? See, religion wants you to focus on changing your habits and changing your action, but God wants to focus on changing your heart. That God can deliver you. He has set you free. He has a plan for you. And listen, every problem is a worship problem. I'm going to say that again. Every problem is a worship problem. The reason why you're having bad habits is because you're worshiping something that you shouldn't be. Here's the beauty of this. Ready? Every habit can be broken with a habit. So habits are not eradicated. Habits are replaced. They're not erased. They're replaced. If worship is what got us into this issue, what? Worship is what gets you out of it. If worshiping money and worshiping your job and worshiping your kids or worshiping whatever else has gotten you into this problem, guess what? When you set your affections and your eyes on Jesus, everything else, look to him, look to him, look to him, look to him. This is not a series about, oh, I got to try harder and I got to quit this smoking and I've got to really, really buckle down. No, no, no. Just love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus, pursue Jesus. And he, he will do the change on the inside. He'll do, some of you are so tired because you've gone to churches where they tell you, you need to clean this and you need to stop doing this and you need to quit this. And I'm telling you, love is the motivating factor that changes our lives because now I don't do what I don't do because I don't have to. I don't do it because I don't want to. When I love my wife, no other woman looks attractive to me. Are you with me? And so I'm here to tell you, don't walk out of this place going, oh, we just got to try harder. I hope we can make it. No, I hope you walk out of this place going, Jesus, thank you. You love me so much. God, thank you for delivering me. You have set me free. Yes, I'm not free now, but I believe my freedom is coming and you are working all things out for my good. And I am, come on, we just make these bold declarations of our identity of who we are in Christ. Are y'all with me? So Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much. God, your word says for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the first. That is the greatest commandment. So today, we make a recommitment to love you more. God, I believe, Lord, as that song sings, God, as we look into your full face, that the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. God, today, we make a a dedication, not to try harder, not to just try to change things, but God, that to invite you to come and do a work on the inside. Do a work on the inside. If you're here in this room and there are some things that have been holding you slave, holding you hostage, you know it. You know it. And you want to see yourself get set free. I want you to stand up right there where you are. Stand up, 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 stand up. All across this room, stand up. Doesn't matter what it is. It's just, it's time. It's time to break free. Now, would you just lift your hands just right there where you are? And Father, Lord, I pray right now for every person that is standing today. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that is upon them. And God, I thank you that today you are drawing them. You're wooing them that there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. But God, that your spirit, your life-giving spirit would flow on the inside of them. God, we repent of our old ways. We get rid of that. And we thank you, God, that today, Lord, you've already died for it. You've already forgiven it. You've already given us all that we need to walk in freedom and victory. Today, we walk in your victory. God, I thank you today, Lord, that your spirit empowers them to live this victorious life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, you can go ahead and be seated. I want to just real quick, if you're here in this room and, and you have not given your full whole heart to the Lord, the only thing that the scripture tells us, it doesn't, doesn't say that we have to believe wholeheartedly. It says we have to love God wholeheartedly. If you're here in this place and you've never put that whole heart, faith, and trust in Jesus, I don't want you to walk out this place without having that opportunity to do that. And so it's simple. Jesus came. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live. And Jesus came and he loved you so much that he wanted to tear down the wall between us and God the Father with sin. And he came and he died that horrific death for you and I so he could bring us back into relationship with the Father. And he could break all this stuff off of you. And he could call you his own. He loved you so much, not from heaven shouting down, but he came into this earth and he, he lived amongst us. And the Bible says that if you want to have a relationship with him, it's, it's as easy as ABC. We admit that we're sinners, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That maybe the reason why my life is the way that it is is because I'm in the captain's seat. And so the Bible says if, we will, if we'll believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's the captain and that he's our savior. And we confess that before him, that he will come and he will give us his righteousness, his right standing. I don't have to work for it. I didn't earn it, but God wants to give it. And so God today is like an outstretched arm and he's just waiting for you to receive what he already has for you. If you're here in this place and you say, Pastor Josh, I want, I want that. I want that. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. Say, count me in. I want that. I want that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Now let's just pray this together and then we're going to close our service. Say, Father, I love you. Thank you for coming on this earth and paying the price for my sins. You rose from the grave to conquer sin, my shame, my guilt, and you have given me your righteousness. Today, I confess you are Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. Cleanse me from the inside out. From this day forward, I follow you. In Jesus' name.